Well, good morning. Uh, hopefully that was a wonderful time of worshiping the Lord to get together in our worship time. And I'm so excited and thankful to be with you this morning. Welcome and good morning to the open door as we take a, a moment to just uh, continue to worship the Lord and give him praise for all that he's done. Uh, and just think about his goodness and how good he's been to each and every one of us. Today, I'd just like to take a moment to uh, just see how you're doing and ask, ask you some questions. Uh, first and foremost, how are you feeling? You know, are you feeling closed in? Uh, are you feeling at peace? Uh, so how are you feeling this morning and, and how have things been going for you over the last couple of weeks? Maybe you would just think about that and meditate on that a little bit. Uh, and maybe some of your responses uh, would be that, you know, I felt a little closed in. I felt uh, uh, a little tired or weary. And maybe even uh, my mind's been racing because I haven't had so much to do or or my mind's been kind of just perplexed about what the future's going to hold, what it's going to look like. Uh, so what's your mindset? You know, maybe as we think about this over time, uh, there's many things that could come to mind. Uh, and we think about coming out of this quarantine that we're in and uh, the state of Louisiana ends our quarantine or ends our stay-at-home order on April the 30th, just a few days away. And maybe you've thought about how you're going to respond when there's a little bit more of an opportunity to get out and there's a little bit more opportunity to interact. Uh, and maybe you've felt, felt some intrepidation with that and, and thinking, well, maybe there's still some distance or some hesitation uh, about venturing out. Uh, maybe there are those of you that are excited about that and looking forward to that time of being able to, to connect with one another, being able to interact a little bit more. Uh, and that's an exciting thing to think about, uh, but doesn't mean that we're all in the same mindset. So I just want to spend some time today uh, and, and talk about the mind in you. That's the title of our message today, the mind in you. And would you just take a moment to just think about that? What kind of mind are you having? So what mind are you having these days? Or is, is it fear? Is it boredom? Maybe that's one of the things. Maybe our teenagers will say, I'm just bored out of my mind. Uh, or maybe it's peace and hope. And you've seen some things that have occurred over this time that have given you great peace and joy of just being able to rest and just being able to rest in the Lord and, uh, and, and have time to get some things done that you maybe haven't had time to get things done before. So again, what are you thinking about? You know, the scripture says that it says, so whatsoever a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so what we think about through our daily life and, you know, and it gets down in our heart and, and comes out of our heart, that's who we are. And so maybe you've had some thoughts over these last couple of weeks that maybe did not line up with uh, your character or who you know that God's calling you to be and and, and to step out in. And maybe you've had many thoughts of that, and you've had time to reflect. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. And so we've had an opportunity to examine ourselves and think about, you know, what God's called us to, who we are in Christ, who God is in our life. And so we've had time to think about these things. I'm also reminded of a, uh, a saying that my, my grandmother used to say, and many of you probably heard it before. It says, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Have you ever heard that before? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. And if we think about that saying, there's, there's two parts of it. The first part is if our mind is being idle, it's being still, you know, and we haven't had time to just 
you know, uh, really just exercise our mind. And so we're not staying built up in our minds. And so it's still because I remember someone saying once that we're either moving towards God or we're moving away from him. And that starts in our heart, which translates to our mind. And so if our mind isn't pressing towards him and thinking about him and meditating on him and praying to him, then it can have the, the ability to drift away. And so that, that, uh, I believe that's why Paul says, press towards the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus, that we steady our mind and we press toward. Well, the other aspect of that, mind, of that idle mind is what are we worshiping? What are we valuing? See, think about that a little bit. The idle, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. If our mind worships and values things of this world, and, and, and we fixate on those things. So maybe over the last couple of weeks, uh, because we haven't had an opportunity to come to church, we haven't had an opportunity to have our, our Bible studies like we normally have, our home groups like we normally have. And so maybe our mind has been drifting. And so we've been valuing other things instead of reminding ourselves that the, the only eternal value is in God and his plan and his purpose for us. And so that we will allow our mind to be stayed upon him. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me so we can just kind of meditate on this thought, the mind that's in us, the mind in you, uh, and see what kind of mind we really should have each and every day that's going to be able to sustain us, that's going to keep us. And so in Philippians, the second chapter, verse 4 and 5, Philippians, the second chapter, verse 4 and 5, if you turn with me there, it, it, it says this in the King James. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this uh, word today that we're receiving of you. Father, we thank you for your engrafted word that's able to save, deliver, and set free. Lord, let us meditate on the mind that we should have each and every day. Let us take this example and this reference that Paul speaks of, of Jesus, letting this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father, we open our hearts, we allow our eyes to see and our ears to hear your engrafted word. Lord, speak to us in a mighty way. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray, amen. So let's take a moment and and, uh, and reflect on this scripture, because Paul writes the, this uh, book of Philippians while he is in Philippi, uh, and, and also while he's spending time in prison. So let me t share a little bit of, with you of what's going on. Uh, so Paul writes this letter while he's on his second missionary journey. He's went and he started uh, a second time around ministering in, in, in Asia Minor, ministering to many cities, and converting many through the gospel of Jesus Christ to salvation. And so as he's doing this, he runs across several people. And so he enters into Philippi, uh, which is a cosmopolitan area. It has many Greeks and Jews. It's very industrial, uh, has a lot of diverse people, and it's the chief city of Macedonia. And so, Paul, we see this reflected in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, starting around the 12th verse. So, one of the first people that Paul speaks to is a Jewish woman uh, in, in Lystra. 
And so this Jewish woman is a businesswoman, and she hears the gospel, and she immediately accepts Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And her desire is to bring her entire family, and so she brings her entire family, and many of them get saved. And then also there are many that are coming, and they're hearing Paul speak, and they're hearing Paul share the gospel. And one of the ones that's listening is this Greek slave girl. And this Greek slave girl has been possessed with a demon. And so this demon or, or this devil has caused her to be a sorcerer, uh, a kind of a foreteller, or someone that can kind of see things beyond the natural. And so she sees, as she's listening to Paul, that he's coming on the behalf of Jesus Christ. And so she's making these statements that he's the servant of the Most High God. And so she keeps saying this, and Paul kind of hears her saying it, and, and, and uh, the demon within her is saying, that's the servant of the Most High God. So at a certain point, I, I, I'm assuming that this becomes a little distracting, or Paul senses that there's something going on, that this Greek girl has something inside of her that's causing her to be able to see this in the spirit, to see what's going on. So he immediately goes over, he casts the devil out of her, and she's freed from this demon. Well, she was a slave girl, and she had masters that would make money off of her sorcery, off of her being able to tell others about hidden things in the spirit. And so when this happened, they became very angry with Paul because Paul affected their finances. And so they went to the masters of that day. They went to the, the leaders, and they were very angry, and they had Paul and Silas put into prison. And so Paul and Silas are now cast into prison. They're, they're beaten, and they're spending time in prison waiting to be tried, waiting to be judged for a crime of proclaiming the gospel, for a crime of healing and delivering uh, those that are hurting. And so Paul starts that evening with Silas, and they started singing songs. They started singing songs of joy and peace in the midst of this situation. See, they had been put in prison. And maybe some of you are feeling like that, that you're, you've been confined to your home, been restricted, and you can't really go anywhere, uh, and, and, it, and it can feel like prison. And one of the things we know in, our, in, the, in the history of our country, and we've done an analysis about those in prison, that one of the worst things you can do to mankind, to a human being, is to isolate them. Because there's something that starts happening in the mind. That there's no fellowship, there's no joy when we're isolated. Of being with others, of being edified, being lifted up, and being able to see past the situation. And so we know that, that this can cause a lot of mental anguish. But Paul and Silas, they look past their situation. And they started singing praises to the Lord. They started singing joy in him. And so much so that the scriptures say it kind of started rocking the jail. You know, and maybe this is the original jailhouse rock. Yeah. And, and so we, we see this happening, and even the jailers are listening to it. And this happens through the night, and one of the jailers, he falls asleep. And as he falls asleep, joy of the Lord that's being sung by Paul and Silas and maybe even others, causes the prisons do prison doors to break open. See, if we're not careful, you know, we can be more imprisoned in our mind than we can ever be imprisoned by the things of this world. And so we see a visible example how God can set us free. 
through his joy and through keeping our mind stayed on him, Paul experienced those jail doors bursting open. And so eventually as the night passes and, and morning starts getting a little closer, the jailer wakes up and he sees the prison doors open. And he knows that prisoners ever escape, that it would almost be to a point where he would lose his life because he was on duty. He should have been awake. He should have been paying attention. And so he thinks they have escaped, that they've left. And so he contemplates and begins to think about killing himself. And Paul recognizes this, and Paul calls out to him. And he says, don't hurt yourself. Don't do anything. We're still here. See, it just causes us to think about that no matter where we're at, we can be free in the Lord. We can trust him. We can have peace and joy in knowing that we serve a good God and have our mind stayed upon him. And so think about that a little bit. While in prison waiting for trial, Paul writes this uplifting letter to remind those at Philippi to remind us to have joy, to have joy. See, look at what Philippians, the second chapter, verse 2 and 3 says. He begins by, say, by saying, fulfill ye my joy. He said, let yourself have joy to the fullness, that ye be like-minded, having the same love. He starts kind of talking about the mind we should have. He says, have the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And we remember Peter telling us that in the first Peter, that, you know, that one mind that we should have should be the mind of Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that means to have the mind of Christ. Verse 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, in humbleness of mind, in meekness of mind. See, that word meek doesn't mean weak. It means humble. It means gentle. It means kind. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let you have that mind, that you esteem others, that you think about others that you lift others up, that you honor others better than yourself. You see, what I've learned is when I'm thinking about others, when I allow myself to think about the affairs and the cares of others, it makes the things that I may be going through seem pale in comparison. And for some reason, I forget about any trouble that I may have, any hardship that I may have, because our mind is going on the welfare of others. And so Paul shares that just as he was concerned about the jailer who was keeping him in prison. He wanted him to know that he was still there. And God wants us to know that he is still here no matter where we are. See that chapter 1 in that same verse talks about the joy in suffering, that we can have joy in suffering for the Lord. And then chapter 2 talks more about having joy in serving. That when we serve others, we get blessed. See, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Then we may not fully understand what it's all about, but when we're thinking about the affairs of others or caring for others, it blesses us because it causes us to move in the, on the behalf of God, to move in his power and his strength and be a blessing to someone. And thereby, we get blessed. See, in chapter 2, Paul takes a moment 
to give us the perfect example to follow. With the idea of having joy in serving, he examines Jesus' mindset. Just takes a moment to examine the mindset that Jesus had. He gives us a picture of what Jesus did when thinking about serving others. Look with me a little bit. So, What does this really mean? So there's a quote that I heard just recently that reminds me of when we're thinking about Jesus. And when we're thinking about thinking in the mindset of Jesus, this rings true. See, Alan A. said this. He said, before you can walk as Christ walked and talk as Christ talked, you must first begin to think as Christ thought. Must think as Christ thought. Here, Christ being God in the, being God in the flesh, coming down for you and for I. Let's look at that scripture again in verse four and five of Philippians, the second chapter. It says, "Look not every man on his own thing." And see that look there that we're seeing is not with the eye looking at what we have and all the things that we have, and all the treasures and blessings, because we, we have in this, in this country many, many treasures. And so he says, look not every man on his own thing. And what he means there is care and have compassion. Don't have so much care and compassion on our own thing that we start consuming ourselves with me, myself, I. But every man also on the things, the affairs, the trials, the sufferings of others, that we would meditate, that we would spend some time caring and thinking about others. In verse 5, it says, let this mind of caring for others, that's what it means, for this mind, be in you. The mind of caring, like Christ cared, that he cared so much for us that he was willing to die for your sins and my sins. The Bible talks about he thought it not equal to be robbery with, with God, but he humbled himself. He made of himself no reputation. See, as we look at that a little closer, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There's many times I've thought about Christ's mind and my mind. And I realized in the past I was mistaken or had limited thinking about what Christ was thinking about and what Christ spent time meditating on. See, one of the things I realized is Jesus didn't spend that much time thinking about his need to be holy because he was holy. He didn't spend much time thinking about his need to stay pure because he was pure. So I remember in my life, I was, you know, after coming to Christ, that fixated my mind. Well, I need to make sure I'm holy. I need to make sure I'm staying pure. I need to, and I spent a lot of time thinking about those things. And it's not that we shouldn't have some thoughts about that. But when that consumes us, the affairs of us, then it's hard to think about others. 
See, Christ already knew who he was. He knew fully well who he was and whose he was and where he was headed. And so he fixed his eyes, he fixed his mind and his thoughts on others. See, I also believe that Christ didn't spend much time thinking about reframing from sin. You know, I need to resist from sin. And the Bible says that he was tempted like us and always, but sinned not. He just didn't do it because his focus point was on others. And he didn't spend much time thinking about not sinning. He just didn't do it. Because he said, I and my father are one. He kept his eyes on the father. And he kept his care and his mind on others. See, I read an article or heard about someone in a situation of going through trial and tribulation. Maybe you've read something like that before. Or you've seen it firsthand. And your heart just swelled up and you start having compassion for them. Maybe you was going through some things at the time. Maybe there was a trial just like Paul went through. Maybe there was some affliction just like Jesus was afflicted. But your eyes and your heart was fixed on the concern of someone else. And for that time period, you forgot about all the trouble you were having. That's what Jesus did for each and every one of us. His mind was fixed upon the cares of others. My wife and I watched this movie, and maybe some of you have seen it before, just recently called Cage No More. And it talked about uh, women that were being sold into the sex trafficking criminal activity. And as we were sitting there and we were, we were thankful that it was a fictional movie, but we know that there's so many around this world. As I finished the movie, I just did a quick Google to see what's the, what's the numbers. And I was horrified to hear that over 3 million women, children, even boys, are afflicted by sex trafficking yearly, sold into slavery, abused and hurt and afflicted. And it caused me to just grieve and to be compassionate and think about them. And the only thing I can say about myself is that I'm so, so blessed and thankful. And maybe you've had the same experience. Because so often we can get caught up in our mind, in our heart, in affairs and things that's going on with us. But Paul wanted to give us some insight, a little bit more. Look closer with me at verse 6 and 7. 
to really get an idea of what Jesus was focused on. Verse 6 says, who being in the form of God. See, that word form means kind of fashion, made like. We know that he's the Trinity, that he's God in the flesh with equal responsibility and lordship and power because he is a part of the triune God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. See, there's a word there that really jumps out. Who being in the form of God, thought. That word thought. And not robbery. He meditated on it. When we meditate on our thoughts, our thoughts dictate our actions. Now, our actions dictate our habits. And when we change our actions and our habits, we change our world. So verse 6, let's look at it a little bit closer. When we see Jesus' divine nature and his ability to receive the praises of man, see, being equal with God, we praise God. We worship his holy name. Jesus knew that he was worthy, that of being praised, of being worshipped. Just as God receives our praises. See, so often we desire the praises of others. And we'll even go to any means to get it. To be lifted up, to be honored. And we see Jesus being worthy of praise and honor. made of himself no reputation. See, I remember Lucifer wanted to be equal with God. He not only wanted to be equal with God, but he wanted to be above God. He wanted people to praise him and worship him like we praise and worship God. And he sought this so much that he warred and fought against God. See, Jesus didn't do that. He said, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I was reading the book of Jude just recently and ran across the scripture that we see in Jude 1, verse 8 and 9. They talked about Satan debating with the archangel over the body of Moses. That he wanted to, you know, keep glory on Moses and all he'd done. And, and I believe he was probably asking about where the body was and was trying to get the people 
to glorify and worship the creation, Moses, over the creator, God. And so, so much so that caused a righteous indignation in the archangel, Michael. And so instead of him casting or, or, or warring with Satan, he said, the Lord rebukes you. That word rebuke means a strong correction. He allowed God's word to speak for itself. He allowed God to be God. So I'm not even going to get into this debate or discussion with you. Not going to argue with you because you want to justify. You want to exalt yourself above God. Do you have this kind of mindset, Lucifer? But I'm not going to entertain it. Rebuke you. And I stand on the promises of God. See, there's a lot that's going to come at us. There's a lot that's going to rush our mind. And the Bible reminds us to take every imagination or captivity into the captivity of God. Let his word permeate our heart and our mind. When we have those thoughts, we cast them out, we rebuke them. We allow the word of God to flow through us. So, What does this mean to me? As a child and as a teenager, I remember a time when I had a, a really, really good friend. His name was uh, Carl Johnson. And Carl, Carl and I used to do just about everything together. We used to play basketball. We used to play softball together. Baseball, we would run on our, ride our bikes together, and we've seen so many kids riding their bikes. And I remember a time when Carl and I was graduating from middle school, and we both had a, had a, a friend girl that we liked. And this friend girl on the last day of school, uh, she showed appreciation to Carl and I the exact same way. And I saw myself at that moment being equal with Carl. And I didn't like it. I almost was within myself was saying, well, all the things that I've done for her and, 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 and showed appreciation and friendship and care for her, why would she do the exact same thing? I couldn't shake that. I couldn't get away from my own thoughts, my own self, and how I was thinking about me and having to be equal with Carl, who was a tremendous person, was a dear friend. And so I saw myself over the next several months doing everything that I could to best call. When we played basketball, I'd play extra hard and, and, uh, and, and try to uh, win every time we did anything. So much so that I, my thoughts, 
started coming out in action that was not showing that I was caring for or thinking about him, desiring to honor and, and lift him up and, and, and be a good friend to him. And so after doing these just uncaring things to him, Carl got tired of it, and he says, we're not friends anymore. I'm done with all this. And we didn't completely end that way, but the relationship was never really the same. Because I had put it more thought on myself than I did on the things of my friend. If we're not careful, we can do that as well. We can want so much to be lifted up, to be honored, to be respected, that will tear others down. And our mind will war with us. And so Paul wanted to remind us of these things. See, the scripture says, and being fashioned as a man, he humbled himself. In verse 8, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus took a moment to look at himself and saw that he was fashioned as a man. So that word fashion means to be to schema or to be schemed in the makeup of a man, to be patterned or shaped in the manner of and appearance of a man. Maybe he knew, and I believe he knew some things about mankind. That he said, yes, I'm fashioned as man. And so the right response, if I'm wearing this flesh, if I'm wearing this manhood, is to humble myself. You see, the flesh wants to do all those prideful, non-caring, and lifting up self. Christ knew that. He said he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He found himself to be able to be tempted as a man. He found himself with pride as a man. He found himself with the ability to be in despair as a man. Because his flesh, just like your flesh and my flesh, was capable of all those things. But Christ took the righteous response and he humbled himself. He allowed his mind to be stayed upon God. His mind to be fixed upon the affairs of others. His righteous response was to humble himself and be obedient even unto death of the cross. Because of his unspeakable love for us and his love for others, because of the joy that was set before him. See, we are his joy. And we were set before him. He served others with greater joy than we can even imagine. But greater joy than serving himself. 
of lifting himself up. He served us that way. So we love him because he first loved us. See, I love what 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. See, that word constraineth means direct. The love of Christ compels. And the love of Christ even controls us to love and to think of others if we let it. If we allow that to be our mindset of how can we have the mind of Christ because he loved so much that he was willing to be crucified, that he was willing to even go to death. And he despised his own flesh. He didn't lift himself up. See, Christ's love should compel us to be intentional about reaching out to others who are hurting. Christ's love compels us to open our hearts, hands, and doors to those in need. Christ's love should compel us to give our time and talents and treasures as he so richly has given to us. See, the Bible says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gifts. You know, we can never outgive God. Everything that we give, we give back 10 and 100 fold. It will never stop when we have the mind of Christ. Blessings will come over and over and over again. Even when we're in prison. Even when we're confined. And maybe all we can do is write a letter like Paul wrote. Or get on the phone and call somebody. And just listen. Just have a word. Just be compassionate. And watch God do miraculous things in us and through us. So that the joy of serving others like Jesus Christ served would richly bless us and others. So look at verse 13 for me. It says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Because maybe you've heard a lot of things about serving today. Maybe you said to yourself, I'm not ready or I'm not, I don't have the right mindset or I'm not strong enough. See, as we commit to the mind of Christ. We let, when we let that be the mind that's in us. Paul is reminding us, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will, bring about his will, and to do his good pleasure, to give you the will, give you the strength to work through it, and to do it for his good pleasure. 
See, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll use us as instruments of his love. But he never stopped loving us. He never stopped pouring into us. I had the opportunity to talk with a good friend, and she was reminding me about the things that God was sharing with her and, and pouring into her. And she said, I'm so excited about being able to share this with somebody else. Because I don't want it to be just a container that it pours and sits in me, but that it's like a river that flows. And I get blessed from it. And I have an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. And so I just sat and listened to how excited she was about what God had shared with her. And she shared it with me, and it was a blessing to me. And so we all have an opportunity to do that. As we seek his face and call upon his name, trusting in him, he pours rivers of living water, and it blesses our soul. And I believe he says to us, don't hold on to it. Be willing to share it. Just like Christ was willing to share everything that he had. His pleasure was that none would perish. So he says, let this mind be in you, that you care for others, that you seek to reach others, that we don't take, put our eyes on ourselves, but we fix our eyes on others, that we look upon the affairs of others. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus loved you, and he loves you. He died for you. His mind was fixed on not losing you. He desired that our joy may be full. He came and gave himself as a ransom for your sins and my sins, that we would be redeemed by God. And he was the finished work on Calvary. He was thinking about the needs of others, that his service and his sacrifice would bring joy to us. And so he had a joyful expectation. So should we. We should have a joyful expectation that each time we give, each time we care, each time we let this be our mind. See, what I've learned is when I'm caring for others, I don't want to do them wrong. I don't want to hurt them. I don't have to think about whether or not I'm being faithful, whether or not I'm being holy. Because it flows through us. God's living word 
And he gives us care and compassion for others. So that our mind would be fixed on him and be caring for others. Let this mind be in you. There's going to be a time where we're coming back, we're meeting others. Let us have the mind of Christ. Let us care with such a love that it shakes the gates of hell. See that jailer that I talked about? His response to Paul was, what must I do to be saved? He saw the compassion of Paul, the power of God, through the love of Jesus Christ. And it compelled him to ask, what must I do to be saved? There's no greater treasure than the one we have in Christ. And we get to share that with somebody else. Let's pray. Father God, you know our innermost being. You know our thoughts. You know everything about us. And Father, we're reminded of what David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Father, we ask for you to do a great work in us. Help us to keep our minds stayed on you. That we would have the mind of Christ. That we wouldn't look on the affairs, our own affairs, but we would look on the affairs of others. We would care and have compassion and love for others. Lord, we already know that you're going to bless, that you're going to sustain, that you're going to keep us. Lord, help us not to cast away our confidence, but that we trust in you and we lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you and let you direct our path. Father, we thank you and we give you praise today for you are worthy. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened that we would know the hope of your calling and trust you all the days of our life and give you praise. You're worthy, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen.